Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Um, our favourite... Mm. Favourite what? ...are back. What is in those Tim Tams? What is that? I've never seen that flavour before. Where did no, they they're come new. From? I don't know. Nicholas got them and I took them. Hazelnut and caramel. They've got to stop faffing with Tim Tams. Just leave them. I don't like leave hazelnut. Them leave them be. But I left them in there with Kirst and she has, in disgust, <laughs> well. brought them out here as if to say, like, get this shit away from me. I can't. <laughs> so I'm now they're in here. Limit. No more chocolate. Okay. Basma and Sabrina. <gasps> wow. Yes, I thought we offended here. them by calling them both girls or both boys no, or one girl, one boy. Them. I knew what they were. What did you say? Girl, girl? I boy, said boy. girls. See, I thought girl, boy. Yeah. And yet when we Googled, it was like girl. Wow. I knew. They say, hello, everyone. We are back after two months to share some stories that we found whilst procrastinating in maths. And we're both girls? Where is this? Right. Yes, they're both girls. They clarified that in an earlier email. Are you here or not? I'm listening. I'm listening. The subject of today's email is English. So we found some stories about people who died while performing plays. Hmm. Now, they need to credit the Washington Post, uh, news.com.au, the independent and live design online. It is worth mentioning those. The first story is about Italian actor Raphael Schumacher, and the second is about Dago Cascino. Daigo? Dago's a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> How do I say that, though? That could Dago? Be... Oh, Dago? Is it... <laughs> you can't say Dago. Yeah, I don't know. That's offensive. That's the way you're saying it. Dago. It's for Australian. Yeah. Okay, so in February 2016, in the courtyard of Tetro Lux, a theatre in Pisa, Italy, the performance of an experimental production offered an unusual spectacle. The play, called Mirages, was not performed from a stage but throughout the theatre by different actors in different places. Oh, fuck off with your theatre stuff. Honestly, I can't tell you what? how much I hate theatre. You do, oh, actually. I hate it when they step into the light, you know, and everyone else steps backwards and you think, oh, here and they go. And the thing is, when you work in media, you get invited to a lot of theatre. Yes. I'm off everyone's list. Because you don't go? Yeah, I don't I'm go. I'm about to drop off because I've turned a few down. Yeah. There was a few I liked. I, I liked you, Wicked. you would get invited to all the theatre. Flying high. No, there was an ad on the radio that really... Sh- gravity. No. Didn't you love that? Ah. Oh, I'm dead. D-E-A-D. Did you see, didn't you see Wicked? Wicked is Curse, good. put a little bit of that audio. Do you know the one from the ad? Yeah. There was an ad that ran for Wicked yes. on it's a radio gl- station. It's the Green Witch. Yes. That ran for, I feel like it ran for a year. Wicked. Prepare to be spellbound by the global musical phenomenon. Awe-inspiring and spectacular, Wicked tells the untold story of the Witches of Oz. 
Don't miss Broadway's number one musical. Every time I heard it, I'd quickly turn off the radio so I didn't have yeah, well, to hear it. You wouldn't turn it off if you had seen the show and you knew that song because yeah, she defies so gravity, annoying. floats up in the air and sings that big anyway, note at the end. The audience moved through the play as one might move through a gallery viewing different scenes in each section. Oh, then the surreal scene got even more so, an actor performing a monologue in which he simulated hanging, either accidentally or purpose, purposely hung himself. Oh, God. For real, in front of a single member of the audience. Oh. Now, the 27-year-old actor, Raphael Schumacher, he's dead, and two directors and two stage technicians are being investigated for manslaughter. Oh, my goodness. What, like as if they caused it? Well... That's Maybe. very strange. I well, I su- well, they wouldn't have intentionally done it to him, but if you're going to include a hanging in something, then you need to have your you know, codes and practices and all that stuff, Yeah, whatever it's called. Now, Prosecutor Giancarlo Dominjani, mm, that would sound better with an accent. Uh, the prosecutor told an Italian newspaper that the actor was supposed to perform a short monologue revolving around the difficulties experienced by a 15-year-old boy and including a hanging simulation at the end. The original script included an interaction between the spectator and Schumacher before the tragic event. It was performed successfully earlier on Saturday evening when he ended the scene laying his head in the noose. Schumacher's mother insisted that he would not have killed himself, telling that same newspaper, I strongly believe he did not try to commit suicide. No, no, he wouldn't have. I mean, I don't know him, but you wouldn't do it like that. I don't think so. The focus of the investigation is said to have shifted from grievous bodily harm to manslaughter. Mm. However, the main assumption remains it was a tragic accident on stage. Oh, dear. Now, in the same year, this is a different story, Japanese actor... Oh, yeah. You tell me the name. I make it. Yago. No, that's it. Kashino. Kashino. Was yeah. rehearsing a play with his theatre group <laughs> in downtown... Yeah, where is it? In Tokyo. <laughs> yes. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Spark joy. <laughs> However, he oh. never had the chance to perform it oh, so in sad. front of an audience. Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> because the rehearsal was abruptly interrupted by him being rushed to hospital. Oh, what happened to him? Hours later, he was pronounced dead. Oh, dear. While practicing an action scene, one of his fellow actors pretended to stab him in the stomach with a samurai sword. At least he was meant to. Mm. Now, other cast members alleged that they didn't see exactly what happened, but realized something was wrong when they heard him groaning. (gasps) They turned to find him hunched over and wounded, which is when the rehearsal ended. Police began investigations into the weapon to find out whether it was a real sword or not and whether it was an intentional murder or a tragic accident. However, they have never made any public statements about the nature of the weapon or the outcome of their investigation. How could you do a fake sword? So, interesting, my husband and I bought some at an antique auction about 30 years ago and they were under the stairs. I'd forgotten we had them and my son found them the other day. He came out going, where where did those come from? These are great. And he's pulling out these swords and I'm saying, be careful with them. I don't, oh, 
Well, I said they're probably illegal. I don't even think you're supposed to have swords, are you? No, I think you can. But I mean, do even... you have to have a certain license to have? Certain... I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. I don't know about swords. We've just, they've just been under the stairs. But um, even if, and I don't think they're very sharp. But even any long, thin piece of metal, mm. you think even if it was a fence paling made of metal, you know, that w- would be able to kill you. Now, Basma and Sabrina have signed off many nice mm. things and some more nice things. Sabrina, brackets, a girl, and Basma. Uh, yes. Open bracket. Yes. Also a girl, but I understand the confusion. Uh, right. Mm. Got Clarified. it. Thanks, girls. All right. I have one here from... Karen, who says nice things, nice things. She works in admin, she says. She plugs in her ears and listens to us all day. I dream of an admin job some days. (laughs) I do. Where's Chanel? She's in admin. I just think, how wonderful. I want to be in HR and hear all the shit that goes on around the office and sort (sighs) it out. No, I would just love an admin job where Mm. I just rock in. Pieces of paper, stapling, filing. Put my earphones in, listen yep. to podcasts, That's and I Karen's roll doing. out that door at five. Uh, Karen's currently listening, well, at the time of writing, to episode 42, the part where you were discussing the guy with the loaded, unloaded gun. Oh, that was your story about the guy in America that was trying to show how someone couldn't have shot himself in the sure. stomach and yep. shot himself in the stomach. Yep. Um, she said, made me think about the Darwin Awards. Is this a topic that would fit into your podcast series? You bet your sweet bippy it does, Karen. <laughs> the so, Darwin Awards are amazing. Have you heard of them? So yes. they're a tongue-in-cheek honour. Started in around 1985. Turn your phone over because it's going off I don't Chanel. know. People are following me on Bing, Instagram. Bing, oh, are they so popular? Must be hard being so popular. It's on private. I don't accept anyone. I don't know. Oh, do you? No. I follow you. Yeah, I know you. I'm going to screenshot everything and share it. Uh, So the Darwin Awards, uh, are they only in Australia? I feel like they are. I think so, given the name. For individuals who have supposedly contributed to human evolution by selecting themselves out of the gene pool via death Mm. or sterilisation by their own actions. So for Karen, here we will look at, because there's all sorts of different, different categories, but I've picked out the Darwin Awards top Worst death stories. It's actually surprising that we're at this episode and we're <clears throat> only just discussing the Darwin Awards. Mm. Uh, there was 2008, 46-year-old David Monk was on holiday in Salzdorf, something in Italy with a group of friends. They had a few beers. The lads decided to steal a protective mat that covered the metal barriers at the bottom of a slope and use it as a sledge. They hiked up the hill, hurled themselves down, and it slammed straight into the same barrier that they'd stolen the protective matting from, and David died on the spot. Mm. 2001, in South Idaho, a man named Marco had been driving a van full of friends back from a day on the mountain. His brakes failed. He jumped out of the moving vehicle before it went off the edge of the cliff. One of the other passengers managed to bring the van to a halt and then walked back up the hill to find that when Marco had jumped to safety, leaving all his mates in the van, he hit his head on the pavement and killed himself. No one else was injured. 1997, police in Reston, Virginia, found the body of 22-year-old Eric Barcia, who had apparently died attempting to bungee jump off a 70-foot bridge. I have no sympathy for people who bungee jump. It's a crazy thing, Doesn't it isn't detach it? your retinas? Oh. Can't look up with the glasses on the only for it? reading. 
Well, it, that has happened, yeah, when you get to the bottom, it, it bounces Jolts. everything in your body around so much it detaches retinas, yes. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Uh, Eric had tied several bungee cords together, strapped himself on, tied the other end to a bridge and jumped. He was confident he'd measured out the bungee's total length, just under 70 foot. What, 70 he made his own bungee? Yes, he had. He forgot Good. to add into the calculations the fact that bungee cords stretch, so he died. Uh, 43-year-old Walter from Fairbanks was doing what's called high marking on his snowmobile. So he was driving up a pristine slope and then the sled gets stuck and then you sort of bomb back down again. There'd been warnings that avalanches were likely. In fact, he'd actually triggered an avalanche earlier in the day, kept on revving up and down the hillside until he triggered a big avalanche which swept down and killed him. In 1999, a paraglider named Craig from Riverton in Utah, decided to splash down in a canal. He executed a perfect landing, but his parachute filled with water, dragged him downstream and drowned him. It's very unfortunate. It is really. To number six, working way to number ten. Number six, 27-year-old man in Scrinklehaven in Wales was trying to impress a group of teenage boys. He dove off an 80-foot cliff into the water, was knocked unconscious by the water and died. Oh, dear God. Hey guys, check this out. Check out this hot shit. Uh, 40-year-old kite-surfing Spaniard ignored safety warnings. There were hurricane-strength winds and he strapped onto his board, unfurled his kite. His body was found more than a kilometre away from the sea, having been dragged by the winds and slammed into several buildings along the way. Ooh. Uh, 1995, a man named Robert fitted his jet ski with a rocket booster and a parachute and rode it off Niagara Falls. Okay, so I remember reading about this. His idea was that he would be going so fast, he would do the rocket booster, that he would sort of be projected out over the edge of the falls and then the parachute would deploy and float him down to the bottom. But what he didn't factor in was that the moisture in the air Mm. stopped the rocket booster from igniting and it stopped the parachute from deploying. So he pretty much just went off the edge of Niagara Niagara Falls. Uh, 1999, a man named Rodney was doing laps of Lake Washington on a jet ski. He realised his battery was running low, so he moored the jet ski and ran to get a set of jumper leads. He plugged the ends into a 110-volt outlet and ran down to the water's edge. No. (laughs) No. I'm not laughing because that's terrible. No, no, don't laugh. Carrying the crocodile clips. He didn't stop at the edge. He plunged straight in. Holding the crocodile. Yeah, okay. When I was a young journo... Uh, when I started in radio, she wrote in a script and I die of embarrassment. When I remember I actually wrote, it was about a man who was on power lines, electrocuted himself to death. And I was corrected by my news editor that you do, you die of electrocution. You don't electrocute to death. You are electrocuted. 6am in the morning? Yeah. It's like. It's one of those. Where it's a word say like 6am. Yes, exactly. In the morning. Or ATM mm. machine. It's an, yes. Or what is it? Automatic. Teller machine. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one, CCTV vision, where the V is already for vision. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the last one is <laughs> How is that insight for all the listeners of just like yeah. crazy shit journalists say? I'm just workshopping, wow. you know, things that happened 30 <laughs> years ago in my long career. In 2002, a group of lads from Maidenhead in uh, – have you seen parkour where they do that? Parkour, they jump off buildings and stuff. Yes, can okay. I tell you why I've seen parkour? <laughs> why? Because 
Nicholas does it. Around the house? (laughs) My son does it around the house. Nicholas does it around the house because there was like one of those Australia's Got Talent shows (laughs) or some shit where some dickheads were doing parkour and he runs around the house and he like runs along the top of the couch and then jumps down and the dogs are going effing ballistic (laughs) and he's running around going parkour. Yeah. My kids do it. They do. It's a boy thing. Parkour. It definitely used to come yeah. out of school. Parkour. And they'd be all going and off I, the fence, off the gutter, off yeah. the cars. It's like Terrible. running and flipping off things. Nicholas cannot do any of that. He pretends to do it. Oh, I think it started in Paris. So this group of lads, 2002, they decided to give it's sort of free running where you bounce off of stuff. Yeah. And this guy and his mates found a gap between two multi-storey car parks, uh-huh. 40-foot drop below, and they took a big long run up and this guy, Mark, managed to clear it, mm-hmm. headed to the pub with the guys. They were so, you know, happy with themselves uh, because they had done it. Yes, man. And they had a few drinks. Yeah. And on the way home, he thought, I'm going to do it again because oh, no. it was so good the first time around. But this time he's got a few on board. Yeah. Lost his balance and fell 40 foot onto solid concrete. And those are your Darwin Awards. Back to work, please, Karen. Get that admin going, please. Let me know if you want me to be your admin assistant. Yeah. I'm available. I always wanted to work on reception. My best friend, Lanny, worked thanks instead of newspapers. How can I help you? I know. I would love to do that. Do you mind holding? Yeah, hold, please. Yeah. And they don't wait and for you, you to respond. An yeah, you don't give just no. bang. Chuck them on hold <laughs> straight away. Uh, we have an email from Sharon. She says, loving your podcast and decided to tell you Can't about Can't stand my- up while you're reading this one. Just my legs need stretching. Sure, whatever makes you feel better. Decided to tell you a about my crazy family. My uncle and his best mate worked as groundkeepers in an outer Melbourne cemetery. Ooh. Cool job. A lady in the town wanted to be buried with her husband, but no more bodies could be buried in the old part of the cemetery. So you got to buy a double plot. Mm. you got to get onto that early. It was decided that he was to be dug up, and moved to the new part so they could be together. Oh, Cute. Nice. To move a body, they have to have a doctor, a coroner, someone from the health department, the widower, and, of course, the grave diggers. They dig up the grave and every last piece of debris needs to come out. They had a tarp to lay the body out on and all the bones have to be reassembled to make sure they have it all. Oh, I suppose, yeah. That's quite incredible. Hmm. Now, while they're doing this, a local dog no. ran in and stole a leg bone. Like in a cartoon. And took off home. That would be so funny. They had to knock on the door of the owner and <laughs> ask for the bone back. The only thing funny would be a dog with like a, a whole thing of sausages in its mouth. I love the way that looks. But That the, is oh, so yeah. good. That is so funny. Imagine the people's faces. And the dog would be so happy with itself. So happy. She says, hope this gives you a good laugh about the funny side of death. Wow. If I was that widower, I would find that so funny. Have yes. you organised your will? Yes. Have you bought a plot? No. Oh, you need to get onto that. I don't think I've, I don't, oh, don't want to think about it. It's expensive real estate. I think I'm going to do it soon. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to even think about it. <coughs> Bless I don't you. know why I sneezed. Maybe Bless it's you. a sign. Of something, yes, you need to get a plot No, I think I need to write my will soon as well. I was thinking about this today. I need to write my will. Yeah, do a will. Because I'm, I'm marrying Nicholas, who's yes. Orthodox, right? I'm Catholic. Now, I'm in a bit of a situation because I'm an Indian giver of my religion. I'm 
don't want to get married in a Catholic church. Oh, I see. But I think I want a Catholic funeral. Well, you can can I do that? Can, can I pick do and choose? You want. I feel like oh, I've covered too many pedophile priests, so I'm cool just to do the Orthodox okay, church. Yeah. But then the Orthodox funeral, all in a different language. Well, I wouldn't mm. be Orthodox. I'd still be Catholic, but I'd, yeah. I just want the normal. You do what you want. Yeah, okay. Anyway, glad we brainstormed that. This is an email from Matthew. Hi, Dee Dee and Chanel. Hey, Kirsten. Nice things, nice things. I just wanted to thank you for this podcast and share how one particular episode is helping you through a time of immense grief. My first dead body experience, my father. Oh. Dad died unexpectedly during the night. Well, it was three days ago at the time Matthew sent the email. That was early in April. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Matthew. Um, likely due from uh, from suffocation due to a massive seizure. Oh. My mother found him the following morning lying in his bed. My brother performed CPR on him until the ambulance arrived, but it was clear he'd passed several hours prior. But as soon as we lifted him from the bed to perform resuscitation, he was as stiff as a board, cold to the touch, and dark maroon in the face. He was 62. Oh, that's so young to it's die. absolutely heartbreaking. Among the haze of the last few days, I've re-listened to episode 10, specifically for your interview with Michael Scanlon about the death of his sister Jess. Michael's articulation of both the feeling of vacancy that his sister was no longer in the room with them when she passed and the difficulty Michael had in the beginning picturing his sister without picturing her as she was after her passing is helping me clarify some of my thoughts and feelings. I'm only beginning this journey, and when I think of my father, it's the horrible image of him in death that comes to mind immediately. I hope with time, like Michael, I'm able to picture him how he was in life rather than how he was in death. Uh, Thank you both once again. I owe some of the few moments of clarity I've had in the last days to you. P.S. Also listen to DD's. Oh, he's put it in inverted commas, which is a bit rude, Mark Matthew. <laughs> oh, well, um, we're having a moment with him and now you're criticising yeah, him. Because he's oh. called it my interesting Edith Piaf impersonation. That's my very best Oh, no, that's Matthew. not rude. That's accurate. Uh, I had him laughing for the first time in days. Oh, okay, Great. that's all right. That was such a horrific impersonation. And you wouldn't shut up either. <laughs> like you were going Because I was it. trying to make you understand. And I feel like I was... a couple of times I tried to push on. I couldn't. It was yeah, but you weren't going. getting what I was no, I won't. Do it. No, I will not. Do it. I won't. I'll have another song. Do it here. a little bit. I'll close my eyes. Go. And she becomes more tormented as it goes on. What's she singing You about? get more tormented she's, as it goes on. <laughs> she's so upset. Um, just on that, uh, it was Michael's sister's birthday. Ah. Seven years since she's passed and Mm. he wrote a beautiful uh, Instagram post about his sister and he mentioned the episode that he did with us Um, and he said he put it out, he wanted to put it out there so that she wouldn't be forgotten and for that exact reason so that he could help people when they're going through some shit, as he put it. Because you still speak to him a bit, don't you? Michael, Michael Scanlon. Oh, can you tell him absolutely. that? Absolutely. That yes. he's, you know, he's helping people. He is. having told because that was that was a big thing for him to tell. It was that massive, story. and yeah. I think I I may have said on this podcast before. I actually hadn't approached him to tell the story. I was literally walking through the newsroom, and he said, "Hey, just mm. with your podcast, you know, do you reckon my sister's story is something that you'd be interested in?" And I was so taken aback by that, and yeah. so appreciative that he trusted us. So mm. I'm so glad that. 
uh, it's helping people. And we get quite a few emails about that episode. We do, yeah. That was episode 10 if you did want to go back and listen to that. Uh, on the email from Lee, hi, Dee Dee, nice things, nice things. I have an interest in death like yourselves. Mm. I currently work as a vampire. What? Mm. In brackets, pathology collector. Uh-huh. And previously worked as an aged care worker where I saw quite a few bodies. Now, uh, Lee says, a few years ago, my boys and I lived next door to a park. One night, I came home and found the street covered in police cars. The fire brigade were there. That's terrifying, isn't it? It would be. Turn Can I just make, say something? Sorry, at this point, um, with the emails, because we and we love people sending them through. But if you hear your email read out and it's not exactly word for word, sometimes. We just edit them ever so slightly just so we can fit lots more Yeah, we paraphrase and make them chatty, you know. Um, So after lots of – yeah, we do. I do. I paraphrase them as I'm reading them sometimes. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, So comes home, emergency services everywhere. After lots of snooping through my son's window facing the park, we found a man hanging from a tree. (gasps) There were photos being taken and it was dark. We only realised he was hanging there when we saw him in the flash of the camera. That's like in a scary yeah. movie from the 1920s. They focused, is like, her face was like the scream mask. It was oh. just like mouth open, OMG. They, uh, they f- then finally the body was taken down and laid on the ground for several more photos. It took a long time for the poor man to be taken away. It takes forever. It takes such a long time. And I know from waiting at crime scenes, like sometimes you can get to a crime scene at, you know, seven o'clock, the body's already been there for several hours Mm. and they're taking photos and they're measuring and all sorts of things. Because the thing is, while that, that, you know, looked like obviously a suicide, Mm. you never know. Well, there was a recent case in Australia, in yeah. Melbourne, yeah. where a body was found in the Chinatown district yes. early in the morning. And it was like late, still very late in the day and they still weren't even able to yeah. say whether it was suspicious circumstances. Yeah, because they, or, can't, they can't just go, oh, well, he's hung yeah. himself, oh, dead get him yeah. down. Yeah. They have to measure everything in case yeah. it's you know worked out later that maybe someone hung him. Uh, Lee says, the next day the park was completely full of people having a family picnic. I thought, if only they knew, but then I realise that they must have been his family. Oh. They had never been there before or since. I never went to that park afterwards. It was creepy and sad. I've been trying to get part-time work at a funeral home. This is because I have such respect for the person who has died and empathy for their families. I think this type of job is a calling, so hopefully one day I will get to do this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um. That's from Lee. I do that often. I think I've said this before on this podcast. I often drive around Melbourne and I know places where bodies have been. Yeah, see, like I would I'll, hate that. I drive past a park and I go, oh, that homeless guy was murdered there. Or I drive past a house and I'm like, oh, that woman was murdered there. Ugh. So sometimes I see parks and things where people were having a great time and I know there's been a body there. Yeah. Uh, oh, brain. That would freak me out. Yeah. I couldn't go near it. Uh, email from Gary. Uh, oh, nice things, nice things. Got to stop. It really does. It has to stop all those nice things. Uh, currently listening to the Snowtown episode. I was actually there in the mid-90s. My oh. car broke down outside of Snowtown and my friend and I stood outside the bank for an hour where the bodies were found. If you haven't listened to this Snowtown episode, what were you doing? 
Go back and listen to it. It's a great episode. It's one of the most horrible murders, but if mm. you missed it, it was a disused bank and all these bodies were found stuffed in barrels. Um, it hit me uh, when it came out how close we were to the bodies. Secondly, when I was 18, during year 12, I was in a car accident. Wow. My mother was driving at 7.30am to the shop that we ran. A cyclist who was drunk rode <gasps> off the footpath in front of us. I still see it in slow motion. You would. A lot, don't they? Yeah, and I, th- I feel like you can recall the sound, mm. the crash sound. Um, the body hitting the windscreen, yeah. thudding on the roof. See? Uh, and then head first without a helmet onto the road. Oof. Catastrophic. When the body was taken away, the whole road was covered in blood. Oh, my mm. God, that just reminded me years ago down in, I, don't, I won't even say which suburb in case her family by some chance are listening, but yeah. it was a girl who had gotten out of school at the end of the day, oh, had no. gone and got some fast food with no. her friends and was and went to cross a busy highway. And I think she dropped the box of yeah. chicken. And bent over to get it. And as she bent over, a car, no. and it was a major highway, like a three-lane highway. Yes. The car took her head off. <gasps> and the road was covered. covered. Yeah. Um, to continue Gary's email, he said, I couldn't believe how much blood could come from one body. I grabbed a hose from the service station nearby and started cleaning the road once the police had finished. Yeah, fireys mm. do that now. I still can't ride a bicycle not from lack of ability, and still remember this so vividly. Oh, because he just doesn't want to, yeah. Uh, It was in the middle of my year 12 exams to get into university. That would absolutely throw you, wouldn't it? Although I do think at that age you don't sort of absorb stuff as well, do you? No, I think when you have those kind of traumas as well, they sneak up on you years later. Or from what I know from speaking to victims, Mm. it it sneaks up later. And there's that whole, um, I won't name this person, I knew someone who dealt with quite a traumatic incident and Mm. when it happened, everyone was like, wow, wow, can't believe that happened to you. You know, wow, that's crazy that that happened to you. Mm. And I was like, they are mortified Mm. and everyone is just wrapped up in the, oh, my God, can't believe that happened to you. And I I said to that person, this is going to impact you down the track and this is so... Like, this is was horrifying. It a, a death that had happened to them or what sort of thing had happened to they them? They had nearly been killed. Oh, okay. They had nearly been killed yeah. by um, a car. Right, okay. Uh, and all these people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, you jump, you escaped death and that's yeah. incredible. And I was like, this is going to massively impact you. And, um, yeah, they were when I said that to them, they were beside themselves. Mm. I'm like, yes. And then I said, this is going to affect you down the track. You need to make sure you're going to keep reliving that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, We have one last email from Anonymous. Hi, DD, Chanel and Kirsten. Uh, Anonymous says, I'm similar to Chanel. I'm always telling my husband how and where I would murder him. Poor Nicholas. Is he still going to marry you? Yes. This week he says yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Meth. Oh, (laughs) this. She's outlining it. Method. Bludgeon to death with a big block of ice. Mm. Think really? of at least an ice cream container size, if not a huge one, potentially crush, asphyxiate them. It'd be heavy. And there'd be water. I reckon the cops would work that out. That's from some game. Like- the murder weapon disappears along with fingerprints and DNA mm. in di- as it's all diluted. Would that work, do you reckon? I feel like you need to put the block of ice into some sort of 
bag. Yeah. It would slip out of your hands. Yeah. Like if you put it in a garbage bag. <clears throat> and then would they just find me. a wet bag later? Yeah, you'd have to burn the bag or something. Mm. Disposal. If you use the ice block method, you could potentially leave them outside. <laughs> you could potentially leave them outside yes. after a storm. Right. <laughs> bludgeon in situ, but you'd need to lure them to your murder spot along with a giant block of ice. Come outside. Why are you holding ice? Just come outside. I want to show you something. In this storm. Right? We have cameras all around our house, so detectives would see me luring Nicholas outside with a massive block of ice. Anonymous does admit that's not so easy. No. Uh, Anonymous works in the medical field. Right. And has seen many dead bodies both in whole and in parts. Oh, oh. A little known fact, there is a room full of dead bodies underground about 60 metres away from Flinders Street Station in what? Melbourne. What? What? It's part of Victoria University's wet anatomy lab. Oh, really? Gross. I need to know what full means, full of dead bodies. How many? Well, Anonymous needs to write back and tell us how many. I need a number. I'm guessing 50. 20. 20 is a lot. See, you don't know. What's full? I don't know. Anonymous Isn't it bizarre? Says, like you think of the station, busy, 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 busy. And underneath People that. in, coming, going, trains. Deados. Going to work, coming home, eating chips. And there's dead bodies right there. Anonymous says, my most recent dead body was last week. Oh. At a hospital I work at, a dear 90-year-old lady had fallen and broken her hip. I went to assess her pre-surgery and she looked to be asleep. So I flipped through her chart from the end of the bed. I introduced myself, but a strange feeling made me look again closely and I realised she wasn't breathing. At that moment of controlled panic and saying, fuck, in my head, uh, the, I can never say this word, the anathema. Anaphylactic? No. no Anesthetist? Thank you. I can't say that word. Yes. The fucker that puts you to sleep I came can't in sing, so and said, even, yeah. oh, um, she won't be needing you now. No. No. She's done that on her own. She looked peaceful and her family were glad she didn't need to go through the pain of major surgery mm. and rehab. Yeah. Nice things, nice things, anonymous. Yeah, you don't want to be having surgery at 90. I always love it on the – do you love those ambulance shows? I love watching those. I watch they, all the ambulance shows. And it's uh, when they are kind to old people who've fallen over. I know. Did you, Wait, did we watch hurt. the same one? I don't, there's they, always – they've all got – No, so I watched over. this one recently where <laughs> – <laughs> This really fat old lady had fallen down. She couldn't get up. Oh, no. And she lived um, with her daughter who was also, I don't know why they were so old, but they were both old and she was also large and they had to call the ambulance because they couldn't get her up. (laughs) So the ambulance came and there's old Nan just sitting in the middle of the lounge room like, she's not injured. She just can't get up. Oh. Right? So she's there, arms and legs out like a teddy bear, just like that. They put this thing underneath her and, like, they were so lovely to her. Oh, yeah, when they're kind, it makes my tummy ache. Oh, so they shove this plastic sheet under her butt and then they hook it up to a machine and it starts 
inflating into like a cube, like what? a stool, to and like in, to lift her up so then she could stand. And like you know, it's it's a very I felt That's like it was a very funny situation. Yeah, and they're talking to her the whole time, and they're going, you know, like what'd you do today? And As there she is, and, and this thing's like. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, so slowly, and then get, she gets to like the seated position. I go, do you reckon you could stand? She goes, I reckon. Up she stands. Oh my goodness! A lot of small talk in that job. Did I tell you about the New York man that collapsed? No. All right. Are, Are they we dead? talking too much, Kirsten? I promise this will be the last one. This was bizarre. Okay, so we, I was in New York with my family. I think it was the first time we went, 2012, and my husband is a helper person. Oh, I'm if, a helper person. Oh, it's cute. I'm it? such a helper person. Especially, well, you did it the other day when you stopped yes, that old lady. I help, I, if I say I will cross the road, I'm here for people. That's Kieran. Yeah. And, uh, he, and also an old person. He mm. loves old people. So we were in the, it was sort of the Little Italy area yeah. and we were on our way to dinner. Actually, I was buying a bit of jewellery for, for a friend, for a gift, for a birthday. Yeah. And... There was a bit of a kerfuffle across the road yep. at the bottom of these apartments and a doorway was open and there were there were ladies in that there's something's gone wrong with Jack. <laughs> we don't know what's wrong. Get an ambulance, somebody call an ambulance. That's my favourite situation. So Ingo's That's me, Karen. I'm there. So it turned so- out there was a lady <laughs> out the front. She was lovely. Her name was Dolly. Oh, Dolly! She told us about what had happened, and he. So this guy, I've forgotten yeah. his name, was on the ground. Old man, John. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And he had apparently Dolly. had recently had surgery, and because those old apartment, multi-story apartment buildings, mm-hmm. the old ones, don't have elevators, they've just got the stairs, and so there's all yeah. these old people living in them who have to climb all these sets oh, of stairs. Fallen. So he'd either come up or down. He'd mm. recently had surgery. He was not feeling well. And he, I think he'd either come down the stairs or was about to go up, whatever. He'd collapsed in the corridor at the bottom. So the ambulance had been called. So Dolly was out the front and she was raising help. She wanted yeah. to hold her. And all the other old ducks came they, with their ha- clutching comes. their it's handbags the in front of them. Happen. All of their hair was done. They were in, yes. what's going on, Dolly? Oh, my God. What's happening? Is it John? Oh, no. Yes, I love it. He hasn't been well lately. <laughs> yes. And then the ambulance went Where's past. Where's Kieran? Kieran's in the corridor okay. holding John. Oh, good. I'm standing out the front with the kids. All you said was he was a helper. You didn't say he was in there. So it turns you're, out. you outside? With yeah, I'm out like on the footpath talking eyes. to Dolly because Dolly was getting distressed at okay. this point. She's so worried about, Do- about John. We don't know what the ambulance has gone too far. It's up the road. Somebody get the ambulance. <laughs> so anyway, the ambulance came, got John. That was fine. Yeah. In this apartment building, because I had a bit of time to stat, uh, chat to Dolly, who oh, was up for a chat. Sure. And Town she crier. told me that at the top of this building in the what, – what's the apartment at the top called? Penthouse. The penthouse apartment. Or the, the one at the top, anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was particularly fancy. Was Martin Scorsese's mother. And I can't remember her name what? off the top of my head. Yes. And Martin Scorsese, of course, as we know, is a big-time Hollywood director. Enormously successful. And this was – Kind of a modest building. Yeah. And the story apparently is that, um, or she said that he had tried many times over the years to yeah. get her to move she to somewhere to be there big with and all flash. Her friends. Exactly. She, yeah. would, she didn't want to move from her home. Anyway, yeah. so we went to dinner, came home back to Australia. Uh, first day that we're back, Kieran's got jet lag in the middle of the night, sure. gets up, goes downstairs, flicks on the TV on Foxtel. She's dead. Documentary. What's the documentary that is on? It's about Martin Scorsese. And where is the shot on screen inside 
the apartment and there is Martin Scorsese's mother showing the cameras around her apartment. Freaky. Is that not the freakiest thing ever? Freaky. That is freaky. I think she has died since. I'm sure I read something recently that she had done. But oh. bizarre. Hmm. Actually, this is what I was going to tell you. You know who's not a helper? Who? Nicholas. So oh. he comes home. The other, this is. We will end this episode right. soon. We will. He comes home the other night in a panic. He's a panicker, <laughs> right? And he gets frazzled very easily. And I always have to ask him a lot of direct questions to get answers out of him. Yes. Okay. Yep. So he comes home, he's frazzled and I'm laying on the couch and I just, I didn't even move my head, just the eyes. And I was like, what's happened? He goes, so I'm driving, I'm driving down the road and then I change lanes and then all of a sudden the car next to me just explodes. What? And I said, that was me. I go, what? He goes, Bits were flying off it and the guy had to pull over. And, and then, you know what I saw? I said, what did you, please tell me what you saw. He goes, a kangaroo dragging itself across the road. So this guy's smashed into a kangaroo oh. and his car has just gone everywhere. Wow. I said, well, how was the guy? Yeah. Didn't stop. Oh, no. He didn't stop. And I said, That's why didn't you awful. stop? I said, that guy might have been really injured or something. Like, he might have hit his head. And he goes, no, I was worried about the kangaroos. Yeah. He thought he was going to get attacked. Yeah. So he just drove home. It wasn't that far from Kangaroos are scary. They are. They'll kill you. They will. Mm. I was, there's some just near my house and they They'll stare at me. They'll kick you and rip your guts out. There's five of them. They will. Yeah. There's five of them and they stare at me when I'm going I've got a whole car. paddock full of them. Yeah. Near my house and they just stare at you. They do. They look. Like murderers. And you think there's only like four of them and then another one bobs its head up. Yeah. And, and they stare at you like they're not cute. No. And I was walking through the bush near where they sometimes are yeah. and I could hear this boom. No, nah, run. And I thought, I'm thinking it's an axe murderer with an axe chopping no, them. No, it's but a it was, It's the tail. Bang, bang, as they're bouncing along. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, greetings from Australia to our to our listeners. Do they have kangaroos in New Zealand? They don't, do they? Have we got the only ones? I feel like Australia is the, the only, only country with kangaroos. Yeah. Anyway. So that's what life is like. They're in our gardens, in our houses. And they murder you. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you've seen a dead body, love to hear from you. Deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.